When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Melissa Rivers, and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. Sabrina and I have another great guest in our endless discussion about the state of comedy in America right now, Jeff Jeff Ross. Hi. Hi, ladies. How are you? Um, I'm, in, I'm good. I'm in need of a laugh. What do you got? Oh, we <laughs> all are in need of a laugh. I guess that's the main question. I, are we allowed to laugh anymore? No, it's over. <laughs> it's over. Nothing I, like, see, like the sunny side of the street. No, I write a joke every day and then go, should I tweet this? Should I say this? And then I just put it in my notebook and go, maybe someday. I, <laughs> yeah. How do you stay? How, how do we? It's like the cancel culture is just killing humor. I used to love going on Twitter and tweeting jokes, provocative jokes, making fun of celebrities or politics. And now I can only use it for promotion. And I tell my fans, if you want to see the heat, if you want to see the the real pointed comedy, you got to come see me live. And, you know, that temple of free speech, the comedy theater, the comedy club, that's the only place left. And now that that's not open, as Pat Cooper used to say, it's over. <laughs> do, do, <laughs> would you ever perform at a drive-in the would rose you ever, bowl for 20 people what would you do <laughs> i would i would probably uh make fun of everyone's cars <laughs> but seriously i mean where are you going to find your outlet and then when i got to old material i would be nervous that people would drive over to the porta potties in the middle of my show <laughs> <laughs> how how are how do you how how do you see this all playing out how do you how do you get back to doing what you do because so much of your act as it is with a lot of comedians is the interaction with either other people or the sort of conversation with the audience right i miss i, I don't miss being on stage it's been six months and i had to cancel my tour i don't miss the the performing i can get the same zhuzh from facetiming my sister and getting a couple laughs from my buddies but what i miss is the fans i really miss the meet and greets the hearing the actual laughs you know just i i miss the human connection of it all and as far as what you mentioned with like cancel culture and sensitivity I remember feeling a sense of this after 9-11. And then a, a mm-hmm. month later, comedy came back. We did a Friars Club roast of Hugh Hefner, which was funny and provocative and cathartic. I do think that this will be a heightened version of that. When we do come back, 
Um, people will, will be so longing. You know, it's like comedy is like, if, we've all heard this, it's the best medicine. But nobody ever wants their medicine watered down. They want their medicine potent. So I do think it's going to come back bigger and heartier than ever. Even, even, so you're, I feel like there's this element of fear. Yeah. Um, that stifles, you know, I, I think a lot about what my mom would be saying and what would she be doing. And it's this, this sort of second, constant second guessing is going to be really difficult to to write comedy, to write TV shows, to go out and try material. Because now, especially with cell phones, you say one thing and it's out of context and you're done. And even someone at your mom's level had to be careful, which is so alarming. At a certain point, comedians, they're like black belts. I mean... They are in charge of the line. They, someone like Joan Rivers, if she were around today, she would be deciding what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. And if she wants to move the line, so be it. And there's some comedians out there still doing it, and I'm grateful for that. But yeah, there's fear. There's fear because everybody wants to be accepted. Even ball busters want to be loved. And there's a lot of hate. There's a lot of haters right now. Yeah, and you- I, I agree with that. I remember when, like you were saying, after 9-11 and Joan was making a joke and she would say, is it too soon? And she was like, come on, we have to laugh. She was like, all the pain, come on. And But that would always be her question. So I could very easily hear her saying, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, is it too soon? You know, as she starts to process, you know, the jokes and going through her notes. And it sounds like, you know, you're constantly at that point, at that crossroad, just even on Twitter or Instagram, any of your social platforms. Yeah. You know, it is refreshing to see, I guess it's Melissa posting for Joan on Joan's account. It's refreshing to see the jokes from the files to remind people that the shit was okay. And the idea that people are apologizing for stuff they made not one or two, but 10, 20, 30 years ago is so demoralizing. Why can't we learn and evolve? What are we apologizing for? By the way, that's exactly what I say. And I I always think about the Kevin Hart Academy Awards thing. In context of the time where he made the joke, those kinds of that kind of material was acceptable. So suddenly, again, you're being held to the your feet to the fire from something, a joke you made 10, 15 years ago, again, not allowed to evolve. And yet it's on your it's like it's like high school. It's on your permanent record. And it's not even that the jokes were acceptable. It's that Kevin Hart worked a smaller circuit back then. Right. And if you're following someone on Twitter, you're presumably a fan and you're looking for their brand of comedy or you're taking a journey with that performer, that entertainer, that influencer, if you will. But when people, what really offends me is when people get offended by comments from comics who they don't even follow. Right. Wilbur Godfrey will tweet about a tornado in Japan and people in Wisconsin are offended. It's like, 
and they don't even follow him. They just see a reprinting of the tweet. So this is the part that really upsets me is I'm offended by people that are constantly offended. It's like, <laughs> we need to have thick skin. We need to be able to take a joke. And we're all getting really soft. Totally. Is there anything bringing you laughter? A television show. Yeah, you want to see what's making me happy right now? That. Yeah. Oh, your dog. Nana. Hello, puppy. Your fur baby. Come here, Nana. You want to eat this? Yeah. But to answer your question, you know, I've taken myself out of TV and and and, and out of what would normally be my entertainment and going, all right, well, I'm in quarantine, dogs, friends, walks. These are the types of things that are literally making me laugh, finding the humor in stuff that I used to run right past. Um, it's the simple things in life now. That's right, Sabrina. That's exactly it. It's and And you realize that they're simple because we've been calling them simple our whole lives, but in fact, they're very rich. You know, I, I never had a dog before, and now I have 30 minutes of material on this dog that I only do for my friends who come by. <laughs> it's like a new, a new audience every weekend. Oh, people wearing masks in my backyard. <laughs> and it reminds me of when I was funny as a kid, like just hanging out, playing poker with my buddies. So I'm getting back to my roots. I, I consider this a sabbatical. You know, my brother-in-law is a lawyer. After 20 years, he made partner. They gave him a half a year off. And I go, well, maybe I've earned that. I'm now a partner in my comedy firm. And <laughs> this is the year where I guess I'll absorb new things. Maybe I'll travel when we're allowed to travel. Maybe I'll read. Maybe I'll just, I'm getting another dog, I think. The shelter wants to bring a little another German Shepherd puppy by. I already know that that will be a very roastable uh, <laughs> moment. So I you you said you've been right. You know you write jokes and now you're like, well, it's funny, but I can't say it and put it in a drawer. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be a workaround? Do you think it's going to be a, eventually we'll be able to be at the edge? where really everybody was before all this started. Right. And we were already seeing the shift in TV and in movies. And we were talking about, you couldn't make Animal House anymore. You couldn't make uh, Airplane anymore. You couldn't make Blazing Saddles. You couldn't make Some Like It Hot. I watched The Apartment the other night. Uh-huh. I would get canceled for pitching that movie. Right. I mean... That's how it is now. Billy Wilder, Jack Lemmon, and Shirley MacLaine, all phenomenal performances. And you look at the premise of that, and, and it just wouldn't fly today. And, you know, maybe there's some greatness to that, but there's also a little bit of sadness to it in a lot of ways. I think that we have to have a balance. I mean, yes, we have that level of sensitivity, but not to the extreme where everything is scrutinized and everything's under a microscope everything right you know it's it's insane obviously there's a lot of good happening we're cleaning up toxic workplaces and if i ever have a a kid especially a daughter it would be nice to know that if they want to go into show business it won't be the gutter that i live through it won't be the the hell that I read about in Enter Talking that women had to go through in the 40s and 50s and 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 
Let's not make her that old. Let's say sixties. Let's say sixties. Sorry, let her childhood and, and yeah, I, like a lightning bolt is going to come and strike you in a minute. <laughs> Um, great book, by the way, for Thank all the you. fans out there. I highly recommend Enter Talking. Um, I learned a lot very early during my open mic days from reading that and from reading Sammy Davis Jr.'s book called Yes, I Can. Um, here's a guy who was black, blind, Jewish, short and ugly by his own admission and rose to the top ranks of show business. So if that doesn't inspire you to overcome national moods and racial discrimination and, and, and everything else, cancel culture was different then, but it also worked kind of like McCarthyism too. Like you got blackballed and, and you were off, you know, that happens to comics too. And, and, you know, maybe Lenny Bruce was, was canceled, if you will. He was, ranting about his legal issues at the end of his life and i'm sure drugs played a big part of it but maybe the drugs came because of the the the, the canceling of lenny bruce you know comedy i always did it as an outlet as a way to meet people as a for a social life as a creative outlet i didn't know that i would be walking a line like this where people are trying to take your head off people are trying to embarrass you and humiliate you because you set a joke a little too hard or a little too far. It's fucking crazy. And also, I think with everybody with iPhones and this and video, everything, things can be so taken out of context. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very frightening. Right. That's right. very frightening. I mean, I think about so many parts of my, my mom's act. If people just took them out of context, she would have everybody down her throat. You know, she did back in the day, she did a whole thing about uh, wedding rings and different religions mm -hmm. about that. You know, so and so, you know, they give her the ring while the hand's underwater. She pulls the hand up and says, what is this piece of shit? You know, I mean, there's a whole there was a whole um, string of them that totally. now which was so innocent mm -hmm. talking about the size of rings and the religions that and the cultures that give you the different rings would be over right when you were it's so funny because when you were talking about your dog i could hear jones in her voice talking about her um jokes about having pet dogs and who your neighbors are and the shake and bake recipes <laughs> <laughs> yeah well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah she used to have a joke about the neighbors screaming i don't eat dog we don't eat dog and a leash hanging out of her mouth <laughs> But you can't do that. And yet you're not saying they're a bad person. It's funny. Yeah, I'm a Jew with a, with a retired uh, Nazi dog over here. <laughs> oh, don't even get how many Holocaust jokes. My mom, even ten, five years ago, got in trouble uh, uh, making a Heidi Klum joke, talking her being the hottest thing in Germany since the ovens. <laughs> You know what I mean? But in a lot of ways, it's a compliment to Heidi. <laughs> but again, taken out of context, she would have been over. Yes. Right. I mean, yes. A Richard, I mean. Do you think so? Do you think she was cancel proof or do you think? No. I think that Joan would have, uh, we were talking to Margaret Cho earlier and she said that, that she felt that comics would rise to the occasion. They would find a way to just rise above it, 
you know, figure out how to continue to entertain and connect with the fans. Joan, like yourself, was a performer. And so when you have that mentality, you're ready to shift gears because it's in you. Like you went back to being a child and just the the easy laughs and just that being so much a part of you just innocently. That's who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, and the other part of it is, I don't know how Joan would have thought about this, but a lot of comedy is just trying to make people laugh. and Yes. Connect with them. Yes. Joan had a punch and maybe I have a little bit of a punch, but. You have a punch. Let's just take Buddy Hackett, who I, who I adored. He was like a mentor to me. He was ever, he was never trying to make a point. He was strictly trying to make people laugh after a, a hard day's work or trying to wingman for the couples in the audience and get everybody talking about sexy stuff. And, and so a lot of times provocative comedy doesn't even have this, this intention. It's just strictly to be silly and to punish comics. Like when Gilbert Gottfried got fired from Aflac for just trying to be silly and take the sting out of a world tragedy. This is, this is alarming. How do we come back from it? Deep sigh. I don't know. I don't know. I I do hear from friends saying, soldier on, don't hold back. I think part of it will be a shift where comics might not be able to be on network the way they used to be, or the networks decide that it's, it's okay. I think that's what starts to happen is comics move over to a, their own venues, um, their own podcasts, their own specials that they have to distribute themselves. And the corporate giants that are that are beholden to cancel culture, they start to either move on to other stuff or die. Yeah, you know? we were we were talking to Mark Cherry and just about the effect it's having on writing and creating shows and who's allowed to write what, you know. And in, in he talked about, you know, is he allowed to write would he be allowed to write a show like Desperate Housewives because he's not a woman? Right. You know, that's, that's an issue. And that's a real issue. Um, but it, it, it makes me think about he, he brought up an, a, a very minor, but very sweet and funny joke on a rerun of Modern Family. And it was uh, uh, the the daughter of the gay couple were dri- was driving her little toy car through the house uh, and runs through the house and breaks everything and crashes the car. And Eric Stone Street's character says, well, we never knew, we never thought she'd be a good driver. Now, what Melissa's leaving out is the child is Child's Asian. Asian. Uh, the child, you know, the character is Asian. Mm-hmm. So it's, right. such a, it's a stereotype. A but such a little throwaway joke, but hysterical. And, and, and you, it makes you laugh. And it again, it's not a and put. Year, would that have been fifteen years ago or ten? No, years? that was on a Modern Family. Oh wow! But now you could not get that joke past the network. So would Archie Bunker be allowed now? Not no. even a little bit. None of those shows. Could you even have? I mean, there's Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son. Could you have had? You know, and I always think about this. You know, a Richard Pryor. Could you have had, I mean, people say George Carlin, probably you could still have. Could you have movies like Animal House? Could mm-hmm. you 
have, uh, I mean, Lenny Bruce is sort of an outlier, but well, I mean, but, but talk about Eddie Murphy's, uh, remember the movie Delirious and Raw. No way. No way. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so here's a real good fundamental practical question. The roast. Could the roast be the way Jones' roast was? Right. Could we do that today? No. I disagree. I think you could. I think that's a very good thing for you because you're making fun of a person who is willing to be made fun of. They, the, that person can handle it. That yes. person. That can person. handle it. It's their fans that can't handle I, it. You're, you know what? You bring up a very good point. Um, in Joan's documentary, she had to address a heckler. And she was talking about Helen Keller. And the always an endless source of humor. Always. And <laughs> y- you know, and Alan Keller. <laughs> so this heckler was just like, How dare you? My daughter is, you know, deaf, blah, 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 carrying on. And then Joan was like, You're an idiot. My mother had the had the same thing going on. And then she talks about, you know, right. living with a man that had one leg who left it in right. Vietnam and was gonna go back and get it because he's such a gentleman. But <laughs> afterwards World War II, she left it, he went to go back. He went, but the, her point was afterwards, Larry oh. King interviewed her and she had such compassion for that man after she was like, can you imagine the pain that he was in that he brought it to the show, a Joan Rivers show, mind you. When you get Joan Rivers, you get Joan Rivers. So you came to this show to dump all your anger, your frustration, your bitterness. And she was like, the pain that he was in, she had such compassion for him. She's still pissed off, but she had compassion for him too. So it's hard for comics. You know, they, you walk a fine line that you might be able, you might piss someone off or offend someone. And that's not your intentions. You're trying to make light and laughter. You know, Joan had had a 10th degree black belt in, in, in busting balls and heckling and, and retorts. So that moment in that in, in piece of work is, is very telling of what all comics go through. Mm-hmm. You know, here's somebody coming in, um, you know, people go to clubs for all different reasons. There are comedy shows. Maybe that person was there as a plus one, or maybe they were there because they loved Joan's work on the red carpet and didn't really understand what the comedy was going to be or whatever it was. People come to these shows, and the the best thing ever is when you walk off stage and someone's waiting for a picture, an autograph, and they say, Oh, my husband has cancer. I haven't seen him laugh like that in a year. Mm-hmm. And you get other people who will blame their cancer. Go, they go. It's people like you who who make things worse. You you triggered us. You know. Ugh, trigger another one of my least favorite new words in our lexicon. And it hurt. It does hurt when you can make a thousand people laugh and then there's that one person in the front row who's mad about something it really drains an entertainer so this is a a real pro can look over that person and go i'm not going to let this person spoil it for me in the audience Mm -hmm. that really is a tricky thing and you know it is why live performing is so exciting because you're all in it together and if somebody wants to fuck up the show they can are you going to, how do you, you, you mentioned the roasts. How do you, I mean, cause they're kind of parts perfect 
for the virtual yes broadcast. Got to do a, a it's, Zoom it's roast. Really, really perfect. This is a, a wonderful medium for this. Come on, Jeff, be how, the trailblazer. How, how are you going to break? Okay. Talk me through how you are going. You've got to be thinking about it. I can see you kind of smiling. How do you bring it back? What do you do? Who do you go after? I think the key, well, when, when, look, we can talk about Zoom roasting. That's fun. I'm doing corporate gigs where, where, where I, where you, you could, there's almost more to make fun of because you can see everybody's background and apartment and their dog and their, you know, screaming families. But as far as, one great thing about roasting is that, you know, when I roasted Joan Rivers, she's sitting right next to me. Right. I can say all those things and then give her a hug. Right. There's a personal connection with a celebrity roast. When I do my speed roasting on stage, I line up the fans. I can hold hands. I can hug. They can rib me, you know. So there is something to the intimacy of it that's missing right now. So let's just say a year from now, we can go back to it. I think you rip the Band-Aid off and you you find somebody who's, who can, the right. flag, what do you call it? You know, just- it doesn't, Shake it off. It bounces mm -hmm. off, right, shake yep. it off. Mm -hmm. And the roasts were dead in the, in the early to mid nineties. There was incidents at the Friars Club. It just yep. became corny and, and then when I got the call around 97, it was because they couldn't get established big stars to do it anymore. They started reaching out to younger people that were hungrier. And that's how I got in. So that's how I, we got the red. That's how we got the red carpet. What was that? 96, Sabrina, 94, mm -hmm, 96. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nobody else wanted the job. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what happened to me. Jean-Pierre Trebeau, who ran the Friars Club, said, we saw you at a golf tournament with Greg Fitzsimmons's uh, golf tournament in honor of his dad. And, and I said, and back then you couldn't Google it or YouTube it. I had to go to the Museum of Broadcasting and see what the <laughs> hell these roasts were. Like, oh, I don't care about Steven Seagal. They want me to roast Steven Seagal. But then I look closer and I go, oh, okay. Henny Youngman, Milton Berle, Buddy Hackett, they're going to be there. That's something I could work with. That's something my parents would have been proud that I was a part of. Plus, then you hear it's about charity and, and, and you get to do shows. You know, there aren't that many chances for a young comic to perform with people that aren't young comics. So now you're on a show with legends and singers. And how else could I meet Aretha Franklin and Katie Couric and... And, and 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 the police commissioner and the mayor, and it was wonderful. So I think all of that's going to come back. It might look a little different. You know, we roasted Alec Baldwin, and one of the reasons that made that really pop last year is that, is that Caitlyn Jenner came on. Right. And Caitlyn, a lot of people said, well, will she be sensitive? Can she handle it? And I spoke to her just about that, and she said, basically said, bro, I roasted Joe Namath when I was practically a teenager on the Dean Martin roast. Like, I get it. I know what I'm getting into. And if people are fully aware of what they're getting into, they really can't get hurt. Right. So I think it'll come back. I just think we're in a weird time. Yeah, and to an earlier point, I know I'm I know I'm going off a little bit, but we talked about how people are so sensitive, and I made that point. 
I'm not sure they're even that sensitive. I just think people are pretending to be sensitive. And that it's the virtue signaling and the clout chasing that's gross to me. And I call it the intellectual arrogance. Well, Jeff, you know the people that are the fakers. You know that those that are trying to look for their five minutes of fame, you know those people who they are and they are not authentic, even though they claim to be activists and, you know, bringing the social awareness. They're full of shit and you know it. There are people that have genuinely been marked and hurt. And the the goal is to bring it into the middle, have conversation so we can get back to being these United States of America. That's where we want to go. Yeah my, yeah, my mom always said, when you make someone laugh, you give them a mini vacation. And God knows we could all use a vacation right about now. She really, she taught me a lot. Here's, this is on my desk. Oh my God. Oh, look at that. So where where is that photo from? This is from wherever they this this is from Howard Stern's 60th birthday bash. And you have a story about that. Well, this is a very very this was a breakthrough in roast science. <laughs> they said to me Gary Delavate called and said Howard wants you to roast him for his 60th. And I was like, "Wow." I've made it. And they go, we have an idea. You know, Joan Rivers is interested in doing the show. Before we go to her, would you be interested in, um, maybe they asked her first, assuming she's a big star. But for some reason, they politicked it where they said, you know, would you be willing to roast with Joan? And I go, wow, not only is that like a career highlight for me, but has there ever been a dueling double podium roast? Only Howard Stern is worthy. So I spoke to Joan on the phone and we came up with this way. She really did let me sort of pitch it out to her as not we take turns, but we do it together. In other right. words, I do a joke, she does a joke. I do a joke, she does two. I do two. She does one, I do one. And we both had our material separately. We developed our material separately. She liked to work how she liked to work, and I liked to work how I liked to work. So then we go, we meet in the morning at the venue in New York. And, you know, we're trying our wardrobe, and we sit down, and privately, we go over our material. And I love this about Joan. We both had jokes about 12 Years a Slave. The film was up for <laughs> the Oscars, right? And <laughs> great it was, minds. It was a reference to Robin Quivers. And we're going over our material. She has her stuff and I have my stuff. And you know how it is when you have your material. You've been working weeks. It's the Howard Stern 60th birthday bash. Like you had to come with the A-list, with the A material. You don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Like mm-hmm. Howard is not gonna laugh at some bullshit. And those fans, you know, they're gonna, they're out for blood. So we go over all our material. I had some good ones, you know. I was like, uh, you know, Howard's band, Guns and Noses, and all these. <laughs> it was pretty safe. But we start going on Robin, and and we both, Joan and I, both had jokes about Twelve Years a Slave, and I don't even remember what the jokes were, but they were about how long she worked for Howard, <laughs> and and it was really playing off her her shtick, Robin's shtick about always, you know, having to take Howard's. Howard's shit. Right. And, 
And we did, I did my joke in rehearsal and Joan did her joke in rehearsal and it became clear we couldn't do both jokes. And she just looked at me and she looked off into space for two seconds and she said, yours is better, do yours. And she wanted me to, she knew that for her thing to work, we had to both kill. Right. And she was giving me such a, like the, like the queen, like letting me do this with her was such a holy shit moment feather in my cap that I keep that I keep the picture of that moment. Uh, well again to her that just like you always say the laugh is the most important. Yeah. It's such a good feeling when you're getting a laugh with Joan Rivers. You know, it became like, you know, Shaq and Kobe. Like we were setting each other up and then Howard loved it so much he brought us over to the couch and we hung out another 10 minutes on the couch. I think I made a joke about Joan saying uh I loved her word, her dress. Where'd she get it? Forever, forever 81. <laughs> <laughs> and I know she wasn't that old. No. But well, I, I, I truly hope, you know, talking to you makes me feel like at least comedy is on life support, mm-hmm. not necessarily dead mm-hmm. <laughs> as we know it. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. People Jeff be- Ross, I love you. Thank you so much for joining us. It was so much fun. I needed this today, too. Oh, good. Well, anytime, anywhere, anything, any place, I'm there. Thank you. Thank you, Sabrina. Bye, ladies. Bye. Bye.